morning I want to talk to you about the power of trust. And then children may be dismissed, honeys. Wendy's going to be with you today. Um, I think that we have the word trust in our vocabulary because we reach over and snap the switch to the lights and we have total trust that the lights are going to come on. And if they don't, boy, we're upset. (laughs) But we have total trust. We need that kind of trust in God. And if there is ever a season when God is exercising our trust is this season. We've seen a lot of seasons. We've seen a lot of things, at least in my life. I've lived a few years. I've seen a lot of things. But I've never seen the fear in our country like I see the fear today. And that is purposely sent from the evil one to to bring destruction not only to the world but to bring destruction to the church because I don't know if you understand this totally, but I believe this with all my heart that the church is the target for what is going on. The evil one is out to divide the church and to do those kinds of things to keep us from assembling ourselves together because that's the word of God. That's a command of God. And if you notice, our government has broken commands of God also. So if there's ever a day that we need to understand that there's power in trusting God, and this is the Lenten season, and and so I want to hope that you're uh, practicing a Lenten discipline of some sort, not just something that you put off of yourself like coffee or Coke or something like that. That's good. That's great. Do that. But are you disciplining yourself in some spiritual manner? Reading more word, praying more, praying in the spirit, you know, testifying of Christ, uh, delivering the gospel wherever you go. You know, we got to understand that this is a season where Christ has sacrificed everything for us. We know that. We believe that. We're Christians. But this is a season to commemorate his suffering. And why? Because we have suffering. We don't have any suffering that can identify with him, but he has identified with our suffering. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways like we are, but then he was tempted beyond that and to the point of Calvary. And so this morning I just want to talk about this power that we have in the Holy Spirit, this power that God has given to us to trust him in the circumstances of our life. And uh, it is a day in which we need to have trust. And I hear people say, well, I trust it will be okay. You know, it's so much more power than just trusting that it will be okay. It's living in the midst of it, believing that God's hand is in your life, even in the circumstance that is adverse. And that's what the message is about today. Psalm 34 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the man that trusteth in God. You want the blessings of God? We've got to trust him. And he's given us opportunity to trust him. 
And we need to look at that. Lent is a time of temptation, a time of sorrow. It's a time of love. It's also a time of trust, and it has an end of victory. I love that because we can go through our life with temptations and trials and tribulations and good times and bad times, but we have an end, church, and that end is victorious. It's eternal life with Jesus Christ. So once again, we're going to celebrate, not really celebrate, but commemorate and then celebrate the victory. So we we need to understand what God is doing, and I know we understand that. But this is a season of preparation. Jesus, these 40 days, Jesus was preparing himself, you know, for what was ahead. And he went through temptation. He went through sorrow. He went through all of these mockings and scoffings and rejection, and nobody believed in him. All these sorts of things that we might go through in our life. In a, in a similar way. But he did it for a purpose. And the purpose is prophesied in Malachi 3.1. Which says, Behold, I will send my messenger. And he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of covenant. Two messengers here. The messenger of John the Baptist who came with the message. And then Christ who's coming as the message of the covenant. And it says, you will delight in him. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. How many believe he's coming? We can't just believe it. We have to believe it. We have to trust that there is an end and it is in eternal life. You know, we soon learn Jesus' preparation was for our redemption. Everything that he did was for our eternal life. And and I know that we know this, but that's why we take a Lenten discipline every year to, to say to the Lord, I understand that you went through temptation. I understand what you, uh, to, a, to a degree, what you suffered for me. And I want to discipline myself and prepare myself for the year ahead that I'll be more powerful in the spirit. That I'll be a better Christian. I'll be stronger in the lord i'll have more power you know every year we must grow and this is a season to grow as jesus had a preparation for the cross i think that we can identify with some of his challenges only in a minute way but we can identify with rejection we can identify with suffering we can identify with with trials and tribulations and disappointments and heartaches. We can identify with all that. And Jesus identified with all that with us. And he took upon himself those infirmities that he might understand. And those are infirmities. You know, infirmity is not just sickness. Infirmities is things that detour you, that waylay you, that discourage you. And we can have those afflictions and things throughout our life. But in this 40 days of challenges, you know, it's a challenge to to take on a discipline. It was a challenge for Jesus to discipline himself. We understand that he had doubt because in the in the garden he prayed and he said, "Father, can can you take this away from me?" So he was just like us. That's what we pray when we get into trial and tribulation. We say, "God, how long or why or what happened here?" You know, and Jesus 
was in the flesh, and his flesh wandered the things that we wander. But you know what? Here's what I want to show you this morning, and this is the message if I don't say another thing. It's that Jesus trusted his Father. And it wasn't just a word that he said to his disciples. He didn't just say to his disciples, you know, I, I trust I trust my Father. My Father and I are one, and I, what the Father does, I do, and I trust my Father. Those are the things that he said to them. But he was saying them with Calvary that was down the road. And Jesus knew he was divine in that he knew what was going to happen. But he was flesh in that he would suffer those things that we go through. So I want to say to the church this morning, the greatest trust that we see in Scripture is that Jesus trusted his father. And we see that Abraham trusted. God said, go out. And he didn't know where he was going, but he trusted. You know, we see Jonah Jonah, who God said, go and do this, and no, he wouldn't do it, and he went through all that. But finally, when he came to himself in the belly of the fish, he trusted God, and he said, God, get me out, help me. You know, and that's kind of like us. Sometimes we go our own way, we do our own thing, and then we get into serious trouble, and then we have to know that there's a trust in us that will bring us out and bring us out victorious. So Jesus is more than just our Savior. He's the messenger of the new covenant. And thank God, I've talked so much this last couple of years over if to read the Old Testament, to see what God required of them, and to see what he gave us in the grace of the New Testament. And so today we look at that because he became the messenger of the new covenant. What is a new covenant? The new covenant is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, thy strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And if you can't, if you don't know how to please God, know that one passage of scripture. Live it, believe it, trust it, live in it. Be an example of it and you'll be fine. Old Testament was all those books of instruction, how to eat, how to cook, what to do, what to wear, and also God was uh, very strong in his punishment in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we see that we have the grace and the mercy of God that they never had. So let's look at Hebrews 8, uh, where it, it's un, it shows us the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Verse 10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. And I will write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they will be to me a people. So all the restrictions and the instructions and all the punishments of the Old Testament has come around circle to this Hebrews 8 and 9, in which it talks about the new covenant. There is no fear in the new covenant, for this is the covenant I will make after those days. So Church, this is something to rejoice about. It's a new covenant. Well, how did this new covenant happen? It only happened one way, because the son trusted the father. The son had the same feelings that you and I. I think along the road, the son thought, how is this going to work out? How, how does this happen? You know, when they mocked and they scoffed him, and when they rejected him and they tried to stone him and all these things, he was like us in the flesh. When that happens, we question. 
but he was faithful to trust God. And church, our country needs to come to the place to trust God because the only thing that's going to get us out of a horrible disaster is trusting in God, not trusting in leadership, not trusting in politically whatever party we believe in, but trusting in God with all of our heart. That while it doesn't look like what we think is good, we know that we are in the hand of God and we trust him. And I believe that as I prepared this message, I asked God, I said, build your trust within me. Because I I look around, I've been saddened by the events in our country. But I look around to see that we're going to go through these trials and tribulations, not only in, in our own lives, but in our country. But there is victory at the end because we are a nation under God. Because we are God's. And God has let these things happen until he fulfills his will as with Christ. In John 5, the Bible says that the Jews sought to kill Jesus. And he said that God, because he said that God was his father, and he made, they felt like he made himself equal with God. And so they wanted to stone him. The 19th verse of John 5 says, Jesus said, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what he does, the Son does also. That's powerful, church. We can't do what we want. We have to do what the Father does. We have to do what Jesus has done. You know, the Bible says that through all of the mockings and the scoffings and the trying to stone him and all of those things that led to the cross, what did Jesus do? He went about doing good. The Bible says he went about doing good. You know, how many times in doing good in our trials and tribulations we forget about doing good? Because we're in our trial or we're in our tribulation or we're in our disappointment. And so it doesn't come into our mind to think that we should do good. But did you, and I'm sure that you know what I'm going to say, that when you do good in the midst of your trial, how many know you feel better? When you do good in the midst of your sickness and you push yourself to do something, you know that the end of that is having a good feeling because you were charitable because you honored god because you were long-suffering and therefore you 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 felt that but you know we need to understand that that when we press in to god there is more of god to lift us than what we think and god is doing that today what a glorious picture to see that the trust of christ was in his father that he trusted the plan You know, he's sitting in the robes of glory in heaven and the angels are worshiping and everything is awesome. And God whispers to him, I have a plan. And this plan is that I'm going to send you through the womb of a woman, of a virgin, and I'm going to let you live on earth for three and a half years and I'm going to let you suffer. I'm sure God didn't say that. But that's what happened he was in the place of royalty and he became in the place of humanity and we all know that that's something that is just born in the heart of a christian but this is why we do a lenten discipline to once again to look at our life 
to see if we're growing in God, to see if we're better today than we was yesterday, to see if we're handling our disappointments better than we did yesterday, you know, and uh, it's hard. As we walk through this Lent season, there's temptation. If you just try to fast a meal, you'll find you're flopping something in your mouth and then you're saying, oh, I'm fasting. <laughs> you have that happen? Or you have some of, I, I, I've already failed three times. And, and that means you have to go three days longer. But, and I probably will fail more, but, you know, in this season of, of Lent, when you make a dis, discipline and you say, now, Lord, I'm going to do this, whether it's just give up coffee, you, you will yearn for a cup of coffee. You know, and it teaches us that Christ had to go through all of that. He, he came from heaven. He wanted to be with the Father. He wanted to hear the glorious worship of the angels. And now he is set down here in the midst of humanity and all of the trials and the tribulations he's facing. But he trusted his Father. That's the greatest picture I can give you today of trust is that he trusted God with the plan for his life. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to trust a plan that he has for us in our life. And sometimes we don't like that plan. And sometimes we question that plan. And, you know, all we will understand is when we sit into eternal life, when we step into eternal life, and we will have all knowledge and we will understand the path that God has led us through. And when you live as long as me, you can look back and see some decisions that you made and you can see that God brought you through them and you can see the, how God used them in your life, how you were broken and spent and worthless. And then, uh, you know, today you look back and you say, how, how did that happen? Because the trust, trust that we have in God has brought us through and our trust is pretty weak. But I think everyone here probably can look back at, at circumstances or a crisis in your life where you made it through and you're okay today, you know, because you made it through those trials and tribulations. And the purpose is that we will end up in eternal life and that we will go through the things that God has planned for us and with the fruit of the Spirit will go through with love and joy and peace and long-suffering. You know, and we will go through those things. So it brings to mind today Matthew 5, 11, and 12, which says, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of things falsely against you. I'll tell you what, when that happens, you don't feel blessed. You know, that's probably the most hurtful thing of all is that you find that people you trusted and believed in have spoken against you, you know, and then you have to do the fruitful thing and be forgiving and long-suffering and be charitable and love them in the midst of their, their hurt. And Jesus had to go through that. He, you know, he was blessed because they reviled him. He was blessed to be the Savior, the Redeemer of our humanity because they reviled him and persecuted him. It says rejoice. That's hard to do in the midst of that. 
Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. If you want to understand persecution, of course, you see it in Christ's life. But if you want to see a great understanding of it, go to the Old Testament where they had to go before kings and magistrates and prophesy that the kingdom was going to fall and fear for, fear for their life. You know, we have ne- God has never asked us to fear for our life yet, I don't think. We fear for what, what we, our life is, that what we want is not what we get. But God has never asked us to do that, what he has asked Jesus to do. And we need to get that trust of Christ in us, that we can trust through all of this that's going on in our world today. It, it is an exercise of our belief in God. It is an exercise in our trust. It's an exercise in our faith. You know, God is exercising his people who love him and are called by his name to see if we're truly those that live by his name. So we're blessed when we're reviled. We're blessed when we're persecuted. We're blessed when someone hurts us. We're blessed to see the things that are going on in our world but still trusting God. God's plan was a new covenant. And Jesus fulfilled it because he trusted the Father. Hebrews reveals it and suggests, I suggest that you, in your devotions uh, during uh, Lent, that you read the book of Hebrews and, and, and see all the things about Christ in the book of Hebrews. You know, that evil spirit in the Sadducees and the Pharisees rose up and they wanted to stone Jesus. You know, people might revile us if we, you know, I've never, I've been trying to practice this, you know, to minister to those that are begging on the street. And I've never been reviled. I've always been appreciated and thanked, you know, and that's the way we should feel toward God when he comes to us and hands us a help when we need him. Because how many know we're poor? Only in Christ are we rich. It's the Sunday school lesson today just was so powerful because, you know, it it led us to right here. And then Wendy sang the song. And, you know, there's a place of broken and spilled out before God. And, And God is requiring more of us like he required of Mary. He's requiring more of his people today. That's why the evil is so rampant because Christians are being required to stand their ground for Christ. And to trust God. The greatest trust that you will ever see in the word of God is Jesus trusting the Father. And all the time he knew the end result. And you know what, church? When we go through temptations, trials, things, we should be able to see the end result, which is Christ. The trust that we have in Christ. Because we have the new covenant So I want you to consider the power of trust today in Christ's life. I'm sure that everyone here would agree that that is the most powerful trust. Well, because of the new covenant, he lives in us. And the trust effect should be in our life. And it, it, you know, it doesn't happen till you need it. You don't just walk around with a badge of trust. But it's when you get into that situation that is so painful 
that that problem, that disappointment, or that fear, that's when that trust begins to be evident in your life. Jesus knew the cross was before him, but he trusted the Father with the plan for his life. 2 Corinthians 13.4 says, For through though Christ was crucified through weakness, nobody looks at Christ as weak. It says, Though Christ was crucified through weakness, yet he lived. By the power of God, for we also are weak, but we shall live with him by the power of God. This is an hour when the saints of God need to be strengthened with might from on high. When is the last time in our affliction that we thought, hmm, there's power in me? Hmm, I don't need to take this so serious. I I don't need to have so much fear. I need to believe that the power of God is in me. Now, church, it's okay to have a fear as long as you combat that fear with the power of the word of God. Jesus feared as he faced the cross. But then he called upon God, and God empowered him to get through what his plan was. So whatever God's plan is for our life today, he will empower us. At the moment we need it, if we call upon him in sincerity and if we have been a witness for him. The whole essence of crucifixion is set before us that we might see the power of trust. Jesus had trust in the Father. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, and I think you can probably quote it, come boldly before the throne of grace that we might have turned obtain mercy in the time of need how many know that scripture but the next scripture do we know it for we have a high priest which is touched with the feeling of our infirmities and he was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin now what's the sin that sin word is very small but it looms very big doubt questioning fearful anxious those kinds of things do not come up before the lord as pure they come up before the lord as a need and when we understand that we can call upon him with that need he will empower us to overcome those so it's important church that when we say that we can go boldly before the throne of grace we can only do that because jesus understands our difficulties what trust Jesus had in his father is so important. His suffering was preparation for the cross. These 40 days, Jesus was headed toward the cross. And all he asks of us that we might do a discipline to show that we commemorate what he did for us. And he's always in preparation during this time. Jesus was taken into the wilderness, first of all, when it begins, and he was tempted. Now, church, when you get into a wilderness experience and you trust God and you get out of it, you got to come out of it like Jesus did. He came out of his temptation in the power of the Spirit. He didn't come out of his temptation saying, I'm sure glad I made that. He came out of it by saying, Oh, God, thank you for the Spirit of God that brought me forth and kept me in those days of temptation. Forty days he was there with temptation of everything, the things that he was tempted 
cover everything that we're tempted with. And the Bible says in Luke, he came up out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of might. You know what? Christianity, true Christianity, has lived below their power in Christ. And this is an hour. This is what the Lenten discipline is for, is to give us more power, to is empower us for the days ahead that next year, this coming year, day by day, we'll be stronger and more powerful, and we can face the, 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 the difficulties that come because there is a stronger power in us. This is really interesting. We need a witness that Christ lives in us. So when we're at church, we're all nice, and we all trust God. But when we're out in the highways, the byways, and we hit our thumb with a hammer, what happens? My mama always said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, we was in a, on a ministerial trip once in a storm, and we always went. We never stayed home, and it was a nice storm, and the van was whipping around like that. And I heard Mona yell out, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's, 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 that's our word for safety is Jesus. So, but what I wanna, the point I want to make is that Jesus had a witness that he believed in God. And it only came out when he was on the cross. He was hung on the cross. And here's what they said. They said, he trusted in God. The enemy knew that he trusted in God. And we want the devil to know that we trust in God. Because the end is going to be victorious. The end is going to be resurrection. We will get out of it. We will be resurrected out of our our pity party. We'll be, we can be resurrected out of our temptations. We can be, re, you know, what I'm saying is we can be brought out. We can have new life in Christ that brings us out. Well, this morning I'll close with Psalm 112. It exhorts the righteous to not be afraid of evil. And it exhorts the righteous that our heart is fixed because we trust in God. It says here, this is a good model for us from the 11th verse, chapter 5. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. It's in our devotional that we read in the congregational reading. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, and you'll compass us with a shield. And you know the next thing that's in my notes is, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured. And Dr. Gorant brought that up in Sunday school this morning, the joy that there was in Christ, even as he made his journey to the cross. The Christian is going to have persecution one way or the other. In a temptation, in a trial, in a disappointment, you know, we are going to have them because Christ experienced them. But we are empowered with a trust and with a power and anointing of God that that sustains us through that. I imagine everyone here 
has an account, a story in your life where God brought you through, where God redeemed you from something, where God set you free, where where there was a good end to what you went through. And if you haven't reached that point where you think it was a good end, reach it now because God has a plan for your life. And it's important that we know that, you know, he has that plan. People just amble through life without a plan. Christians just come to church and tithe and go home and come back to church and tithe and go to church. But the reason that you come is that there is a plan unfolding in your life, a plan to be a witness for Christ. And even Jesus, who they persecuted and they wanted to stone when the chips were down, they looked at him on the cross and they said, Well, he trusted in his God. Why didn't his God help him? And that same spirit is in the earth today. People, uh, if you ever watch programs uh, on the church channel like Swagger, they call in and they ask questions. And that's one of the biggest questions that they ask over and over and over. You know, why is God, why is something bad happening if God is a God of love, you know? Because we're in a journey, church. And because it's according to our journey, God's plan for our life, we can be better than we are. And we can serve God in more power. And we have to change things. It's not easy to change. But this morning I say, let the church be strengthened in your spirit. You know, as we continue through this holy season, let us see the power that Jesus had in him that caused him to trust the Father. I mean, do you not think that, you know, when he when he got tired and after he had healed people and then somebody came along and they came along, church leaders came along and stood up against him, what did he do? You find that he went away to a secret place and he got down to pray. And that's how we handle it. We walk away from it. We kneel in prayer before God. We submit it to God. We forgive it. We let it go. And we move on stronger and more powerful. Because Jesus had to have a supernatural power to suffer the beatings in his flesh. He had to have a supernatural power when they jammed that crown of thorns upon his head. Remember, he is in the flesh. You know, if I catch my thumbnail in the door i'm in suffer i'm suffering you know but the suffering that jesus had was so intense so all the time he was preparing for that he knew he didn't didn't know what it was going to feel like because he'd never suffered that but he knew that something was awaiting him that would reveal who he was in his father and i tell you something this morning church we are not just born again believers we are not just Jesus believers, but we are people of God. And we God has given to us a trust that is supernatural. And that's what we need. We need to awaken that supernatural trust in us that we can see everything is going wrong in our country. We can see COVID-19. We can see those things, but there's a trust in us that says God is more powerful than the works of darkness. And we trust him through it all. And some people have gone home to be with the Lord in it all. But what's so bad with that? To be with Jesus. 
You know, we got to think in terms of that. We're headed toward eternal life, church. And we need to have trust and hope that God is for us and no weapon that's formed against us is going to prosper. Well, it's hard for me to to give you a, this message because I know that you know this. But I tell you something, you know, we need to have like a strike a match to something inside of us and start a little bit bigger fire that we can understand the power of trust that lives in us. We live so beneath what God has intended for us because our suffering gets us down. Our fear gets us down. Our anxiety and all the things that go on in our worth, it gets us down. But God has given us a spirit to rise above that. He's given us a sound mind and a powerful uh, knowledge of him who we have an end to all of this and it's eternal life. So I say to the church this morning, get, get your paddle out, stir up, stir up the trust, uh, to stir it up and ask God to reveal it to you more depth that we might be able to trust God in the crisis in which we're living. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you today. We worship you, O oh God. We know that you are testing us. We know, Father God, that our trust and hope is in you. So, Father, as we sang the song, I keep trusting in you. I pray that you would establish that in our heart and life today in a new way. For this, I give you praise in Jesus' name I ask you. Amen.